Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, everybody out there in Cover Band Nation. It is the CBC Wisdom Hour number 40. I am Steve Witchell, and it's October 2nd. Rocktober 2nd, by the way, 2015. Yeah. 18. Tony B. you live from yes. New Jersey. What's up? <laughs> what year it is. What's up, dude? October 2nd. What's happening? Rocktober. My favorite month of the year is Rocktober. Rocktober. Yes, indeed. It is rocking in. Is that old and, and cheesy now, saying Rocktober? Or is it still cool? Not for our episode number 40. It's not. Come on. All right. Yes. We are 40. This is 40. I, I, was, I was trying to find an uh, a, a audio clip from the movie This is 40, and I couldn't find one. Uh, all right. So Spreaker ah. is not sharing this. Come on, Spreaker. Share. Please. Now I got to do it manually. Gosh darn it. Share it up, brother. Share it up. Yeah, I'm trying. Share the wisdom. Share on my timeline? No. I'm going to share on a page I manage. Which page is that, you ask? It's Cover Band Central, of course. Post to Facebook. But of course. Silly wabbit. Oh, I could have done that right there. Don't. Sometimes this works and sometimes it doesn't. We try to do this. We're doing this live, and I know most people listen to the replay from the download, but we do do it live at this time. <laughs> and you're saying, what time? You mean the time I'm listening now? No, this time that we're doing it now, which is 8 o'clock Eastern. Present on, time. Yeah, 8 o'clock Eastern on Tuesdays, 7 o'clock Central. Five o'clock Pacific. There it is. Okay, now it's up on the page. 
Yeah, right. I don't know why. Sometimes it goes automatically and sometimes it doesn't. And Steve, you know, no matter what time it is, it's always a good time for wisdom time. This is true. And it's always now. Okay, 40th wisdom hour. How about that, huh? 40 is a good number, man. Wow. Right? 40 is a good number. Um, share in a group. So we are... Uh, a lot of 40s, right? Version, Alibaba and the 40 Thieves. Yes. And very biblical stuff. Wisdom hour, 40. 40 days across the desert and all that jazz. Yep, 40, 40 nights. All right, I think we're good to go here on Facebook, live in the group on the page. Yada, All yada, right. Yada, yada, yada. So we missed last week because it was your wedding anniversary. Congratulations. 40th anniversary. <laughs> well, it's, it's not 40. No, it wasn't 40. It was right. 24. 24, though. That's, that's very impressive. Congratulations. 24. I've been with a wife for 30 years. Wow. Good for you. Best 30 years of your life. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. So what else is going on with you? Oh, all kinds of good stuff. Got back-to-back gigs this weekend, Saturdays, Sunday. Um, this private com- party on this coming weekend? Saturday. Right? Yes, this coming weekend. Saturday we have a private party. Uh swanky outdoor event for the 50th anniversary of the Kellogg House, which is a um, group, social group in Morristown, New Jersey, that does a lot of very good charity work and goes back to the community. And then Sunday at Lake Mohawk Country Club, we have a wedding, which is a afternoon wedding. So it's like one to five. Wow, nice. And weather looks great for both days, so very excited. Cool, cool. Both or uh yeah, outdoors on Saturday and then indoors on Sunday. Very cool. This should be a good time. Yeah, Lake Mohawk is beautiful. Yeah, what's what's that club down there that, that uh, um used to have bands? Or maybe they still do. Lake Mohawk. Mohawk House. Mohawk House, right, right, right. I played there a bunch of times. That's really Yeah, cool. we used to play it all the time. Great place. One of our favorite places to play. Yeah, I might have I wonder if I played with outskirts there. I think so. I think we had an outskirts. I don't think I ever played there. No? I don't know. I don't think so. I know I played there a few times with a few different bands, but I can't really remember any of the bands, what what band they were. Isn't that terrible? Like, you put so much work and so much time into getting ready for a gig and blah, 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 and then years later you can't even remember it it happened. (laughs) That's what happens when you play 10,000 gigs. Yeah, yeah. Something but there's always like standout, few standout gigs. I can remember over the years, you know, out of the many, many, many gigs I've played, much like yourself, there's always a few that I can look back and tell very fond stories of memories of at gigs of things that happened, as I'm sure you can as well. Yes, absolutely. Chunk has joined us. He said, hey, guys, and he hears us both, which is good news. That is a bonus. Yes. Got to charge him extra for that. Yes, chocolate. We were gonna do. I, I wasn't aware of your anniversary until later. Actually, you know what? I had been aware of it because I saw Karen post something about it days before, I think. And then 
but it just didn't occur to me like Tuesday night. Oh yeah, you're not going to be available. But so I thought we were doing it, and I I was doing a a Facebook Live broadcast, and Chunk asked about the the podcast. I'm like, yeah, we're doing it tonight, and then I had to say I had to announce that we weren't, and he was disappointed. He said he looks forward to it every week. So if for no other reason, we are making Chunk's life happy for one hour at a time. But he makes himself happy in other ways, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> As he should. Yes. He's, he's uh, the, the webmaster, oh, too. The webmaster for the site. The website, by the way, covermancentral.com. If you have not joined, sign up for your free, free profile today. And did you, did you call him Chonklet earlier? Chonklet? No. I might have, no. Like chocolate? Like chocolate? No. Oh. But I'm sure he gets other nicknames from Chonk from his friends. <laughs> he's like, yeah, me. He's, 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 a <laughs> he's, he's psyched that we're, ta- he's psyched that we're talking about. I've always called him chocolate before. Yes. But, uh, but he's kicking ass on the website, and he's listening and playing his guitar right now, so double fun. Um, he's working on the website. Still, we're, we're plugging away. We're, we're getting more people in there every day, and uh, it's, uh, it's still going to be changing and evolving as we go. But you can sign up for your free profile. Chunk is the web webmaster. Yes. Um, and he addresses any issues that come up. And so if you have an issue that comes up, talk about it in the forum on the site. Or you can always post in the group, too, about it. And he will get on it. Um, we've had to deal with things like on a one-on-one uh, basis, sort of. Uh, as problems come up, we handle it. So... Um, getting problem solved. Right. Junk. Yes, he said he's the web meister, not master. So how about you, brother? What's going on? What's what's new and exciting? Uh, man, I'm just so in, immersed in this whole thing, this cover band central thing. I I did um, a, the spotlight artist for October, uh, and and uh, I was writing that for for several days. It took a long time to write that one, um, but it's for Rockbox, the band. It plays, they play on Bourbon Street on Friday, Saturday, and Sundays every week. They're one of the best bands, um, definitely on Bourbon Street and perhaps anywhere, really. They're, they're fantastic. And uh, so I spent a lot of time, I did an interview with them last week with uh, two of the guys, Eric and Robert, and then went out on Friday and shot video and shot pictures at their show and then spent the rest of the, the weekend writing it. Um, it took a long time put a lot of work into it but but uh published that today and uh so they are the spotlight artist of the month for october rockbox rocktober for rocktober see see how i did that rocktober rockbox rocktober rockbox yes so the one for next the one for next month is really going to make sense to based on what time of year it is too so and you'll see i already know it's going to be but i'm not telling yet um so uh so that's that's been my life man you know i i haven't played in five nights last time i played was thursday today's tuesday do you want to know why <laughs> are you there have you been too busy working on the website no um those are my normally friday and saturday and monday and tuesday are my days off but quite often I'll work on Mondays, but Sundays I always work, and 
our our singer was uh, uh, had some physical issues and she couldn't make it to work and we tried to get a sub and we could not so we had to cancel um, which is a real drag and I, it's a real drag just because you know it's why in New Orleans Louisiana are there not more singers than there are available jobs you know like anybody could come here that's good at what they do and get work because there's more spaces to fill than there are people to fill them and I don't uh, I don't know why oh interesting you said I'm cutting oh yeah that's see that's why you're not responding you said I'm cutting out why did you text me that and not just say it (laughs) Because he can't hear me. Because I can't hear you. Uh, yeah. Okay. Was an, I'm gonna call. I'm gonna hang up and call you back in. Okay. Okay. Can we Will do that, that work? Let's disconnect this. I don't. Um. I. I don't know if we can do that while we're recording while we're live. Uh, but okay. I'll hang in there and we'll see if it, if it improves. Yeah. Let me. Well, since Chunk is listening, he can tell us if I'm cutting out or if Tony's cutting out or anybody. I should be aware of that when you're not responding, like. It's because you can't hear me. Because <laughs> you're gone. All right, so I start talking, and I'm talking over you because you're in the middle of talking, and all of a sudden it cuts back in again. Like, but, uh, Right. Yeah, it's happening. It's dipping a little bit with you, but I can still hear you. Ah, the technological challenges we must face to bring wisdom to the world. Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, so, yeah, anyway, what I was saying was there should be more musicians here in New Orleans because there's jobs. You know, it, we should. Nobody should ha- ever have to cancel a gig because we can't find somebody to to fill a spot. You know, either that or there's a lot of jobs, but there's a lot of people working. You know. Yeah, but this time, this is the time of year now here in New Orleans where it starts to get busy. So we did last Thursday. We did six sets. Um, which is right. You were saying that. Yeah. yeah. Just this past Thursday, we did six sets, which is rare um, for us during the summer. That's just not, it doesn't happen. But um, now it's picking up. And um, so there's more work available. So there should be more people. But I mean, it's it's not like things like that happen to her all the time. But it was just like, come on, we can't find anybody to come do this. And we could not. It's crazy. Yeah, it's a drag. So yeah, there's a great because you would think, like you said, with the abundance of people around, that you'd be able to get someone to fill in. Right, the the people around are just not abundant enough. That's one. That's the thing. It's like anybody out there is listening. You're a musician and you're looking to get work, and you're good at what you do, and you're looking to get work at you know playing music. Come to New Orleans. It's a great city, and you you'll get if you're good, you'll get work. There's that's just period. Uh, trying to. And even if you're not that good, just hang out, hang around until someone needs a sub, and you'll be working. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh. Okay. So, um, yeah. So I've been off for for five nights, but I'm back tomorrow night, and looking forward to it. This is my favorite time of year, so I'm looking forward to doing, you know, doing some gigs with people in town, and uh. 
and moving forward with CBC. So it's all fun. So I wanted, since we we didn't have this for a couple of weeks, I saw, did you see the movie Hired Gun? And now you... I uh, don't think so. Okay. It's on Netflix. It's um, it's about basically people who get, you know, who are hired gun musicians. Uh, and it's mostly uh, set in L.A., Los Angeles. And, uh, but they talk to, like, Rudy Sarzo, Jason Newstead, um... Alice Cooper, uh, uh, oh, I can't remember all the names. Session guy, a really good session drummer guy. You would really like this movie because um, you'd be able to relate to a lot of it. LA session drummer? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but like Steve, Steve Lukather was in there. Uh, Nita Strauss, the guitar player for Alice Cooper. Um, and... You know, they just talk about essentially that whole industry of Jim Keltner. No, bald guy. Um, I can't. He's very popular. I can't remember his name right now. Um, Kenny Arnold. Kenny Arnold. Thank you. Yeah, he's in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember, I remember hanging out with Kenny Arnold, and um, we had this really interesting discussion the one time, and I forget what year it was. It might have been. Um, uh, like early two thousands, maybe he he played on fifty albums. Uh, wow, over fifty albums in one year, and, and then did a couple of tours. Wow, hardworking guy, man, always busy, always working. You know, right? That's what they talk about a lot in the movie. Is that the guys that are there's this this a list of go to people that just you know if if somebody needs a player right because. Right, they hire them. Yeah, they go to those. You know, and, and what, yeah, what's interesting about that whole concept is if you listen, well, like I can identify, you know, Ken Yarnoff's drum sound, his style of playing, you know. And I remember when he said he played on all those albums, I went back and listened, like on the radio, he had maybe four or five, six songs at a clip that he was, you know, the, the drummer, the studio drummer on those songs. And when you hear the songs, you can recognize it and say, oh, that's Kenny. You know, you can just tell by the, the style that he's playing and the fills and the, the, the groove and the way he plays that, you know, it's identifiable, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's really cool. <clears throat> you know, and, and he talked a lot about how when you're a hired gun like that, um, you know, time is money. So, you know, they'll fly him out to some place and he'll bring a bunch of snare drums with him to try to find the best sounding snare drum that the producer wants that doesn't clash sonically with the other tonalities of whatever band he might be playing with and he gets the tunes beforehand so he can learn them so you know that's why they hire guys like that because he can show up set up you know and within a couple of takes the song is done and then he's on to his next next stop you know right so it's almost like uh i had a buddy of mine who was a sound engineer in the city for years and um they used to do a lot of jingles you know and guys would come in you know from you know, um, different drummers would be working guys in the city that would go from one to the next to the next, you know, and, and just lay down parts for jingles because they could read, sight read like maniacs. They had the right feel, you know, they, they had small, whatever they had to bring with them could be set up real quickly and recorded or it was already set up for them. And that's why they get paid such big money because they're able to walk into a situation, 
listen to the jingle, sit down, play the drum part, read the music, put, put it down, you know, within an hour's time, they're done. And then they get in the car and they're on to, off to the next one. Right. You know, and they might do four five, six, right. seven stops in a day. Yeah. Yeah. They talk about every day. They talk about stuff like that a lot in the movie where, uh, you know, they give really good pointers to people. Um, but talk about that level, like at that level, you have to nail it the first time, whatever you're doing, even if you're playing live with a band, whatever, you have right. to nail it the first time. You have to, or else th there'll be somebody else that can. So, yeah, you have to be top of your game. Yeah, and you're a first call guy, which is exactly that, right? You're the first guy to get the call. And if you're not available, then they go to the second call guy. And the pecking order, you know, exists due to exactly that, right? Oh, we can call this, this guy because we know he's going to come in, he's going to crush it. And being that time is money, right? They're going to pay him a very, you know, reasonable fee. You know, the musician's going to get paid very well, but he's also going to save time by coming in and laying down the part and putting the right feel to the song or the jingle or whatever he's being hired to put it to that one time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some of these guys do it in one, you know, they sit down, they get the feel and they, they just, they play it down and it's done on the, and great, great job. Thanks. See you next time. We'll call you. Right. Yeah. And then it's, and that's an art in itself too. No anxiety. There's no, you know, you just sit down and like you said, you just, you're a master of your craft and you just do it. It's, it's, it's like, a certain type of personality to be able to do that, right? To be able to, you know, almost be a musical chameleon in a sense where you can morph into that mindset and instantly, you know, deliver what the client's looking for. Right. Um, yeah, you know, they talk about that a lot. And there's a, an elite group of people, you know, it's, it's a small group of people that are at, at that A level. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's uh, and and then you know I forget who it was in the movie, but they're talking about touring, you know, with a hired gun, and it's not only you have to be a great player, and it's not only you have to be you know right for the job, you also have to be a cool person. You have to be somebody that you can get along with on a tour bus for three months or for however long for a year. Um, so for sure, you know, so that really whittles the whole uh, crowd down to just a select few people. So. But very interesting movie, dude. You should check it out. Hired Gun. It's on Netflix. It's um, they they focus a lot on Billy Joel, and when I was when I when I first started to watch it, I went on Facebook and I said, "Hey, I'm going to watch Hired Gun finally," um, and people were were ragging on Billy Joel because they depict him in this movie as kind of a jerk. <laughs> um, do you in, know in what regard? Do you, well, do you know the story of of his band and and all that? Well, I don't know the whole story, but I, you know, the little bit of story I do know, and you correct me if, if I'm wrong about it, was, you know, back in the early days, he had a band. They were an actual band. Libby DeVito was in the band and um, was his mainstay drummer, you know, and then for years they played that way. And then at some point, I think it was River of Dreams, he was hooked up with some producer who said, oh, you're writing the same music all the time. you got to change it up. So they, they switched his band out. Um and then after that point, I think it became more of a bunch of hired musicians and less of a band. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. I, I think it might have been before River, River of Dreams, but um, he did. He just he, he had the same group of guys for those first few albums, The Stranger and all the, the, the 
the early good stuff. And then it was kind of around the time he was going through all his financial issues with the, the manager who was embezzling his money. Um, it was a brother-in-law or something. Yeah. And um, so he, he got he fired the band, everybody except for Liberty, Liberty DeVito, and he didn't tell them. Like, the, they interviewed the guitar player and the bass player on this, and, and or the, the guitar player, not the bass player. Um, and he said, the, I was listening to the radio, and they were talking about Billy Joel's new band, and that's how I found out. And Billy Joel never contacted him, ever, after that. So so he told Liberty DeVito, and he said, but I'm, I'm keeping you on. And then, and, and Liberty DeVito's in, in this movie a lot, too, talking about this whole story. And then the same thing happened. Um, well, the, the bass player that was in the band um, that got fired, Billy Joel never contacted him either, and he ended up killing himself. And, uh, you know, they show a whole thing about that. It's very sad. Um, and uh, I don't, I wouldn't say that they, any of them blame Billy Joel, but the implication is still is there that his life was ruined by losing that gig. And uh, then after 30 years, Liberty DeVito was in the band. The same thing happened to him. He got fired and Billy Joel didn't even tell him. Um, so that's, that's the way they depict it. And it, that's really kind of one side of the story too. So I don't know. I wouldn't go, you know, judging Billy Joel just from that. I would need more information. But that still does kind of suck, <laughs> no matter what. But I remember around that time, too, because, you know, my Joe Bergamini, Steve's brother, was playing on Broadway. Uh, he, was, he was a substitute drummer for um, Moving Out. Mm-hmm. And Chuck Berge was, was the drummer. And he said that Billy came to a gig, and he sat in, and Joe got to play with him, and... Uh, it was one of the nights when he was there, and then he came back another night when Chuck was there, and he said, hey, I need a drummer to go on tour, and you know, you've been doing this Broadway show for X amount of years, and I know you know all my songs, and I'd like you to come down and play with the band. And then Chuck then left Broadway and, and is still the drummer with Billy Joel today, you know, to, to date. Um, and then Joe took over the show at that time and then subsequently you know, has gotten his own shows and continues to be very successful on Broadway. But Chuck Berge has been in the band for, he's got to be... 15 years, you know, at least. Wow, okay. And now, and now with the residency, you know, at, at Madison Square Garden and all, all the shows that he plays, you know, it's it's almost these guys looking back saying, wow, man, you know, like for Lib, he was in the band for 30 years, you know, and now in his later days in life and going into retirement, he could be having a, a gig close to home. You know, he lived, they live in Long Island, right? And he could be doing the gig and he's not. So it's got to be, you know, heart-wrenching for these guys, like you said, who... You don't know the story behind it all, right? But, um, you know, who knows why things like that happen, but you would think that it would at least be a face-to-face conversation to say, hey, I appreciate all you've done for me, but I'm going in a different direction, you know? Right. Yeah, something. I mean, you just, you figure, you know, because you spend so much time with that person, you become friends, and he, DeVito, considered him a friend. And But, again, we're here on one side of it. There's and and I when I saw yeah. that, I, I went and looked it up and to see what Billy Joel's response was, and he said something like, um, "You know, I don't want to comment on this because anything I might say will ruin his life, and I don't want to do that." So who knows what that means? So I don't know. 
Um, but yeah, so then he's who knows. Thirty years is a long time being in a band with somebody too. You know how how that can be. You sure, know? sure. When you're in, you know in a band with for a long time, you know. Sure. You don't know what other tensions and animosities that that exist or fester over the years. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shit happens. So, um, but the the uh, Jason Newstead part is interesting too when he got hired for Metallica because he, you know. I, and it just happened. It was just the anniversary uh, last week, I think, where Cliff Burton died. And um, Cliff Burton right. di- died while they were on tour. They were, you know, they were supporting Master of Puppets, which was a huge record for them. And um, they Got felt, the bus yeah, the bus accident. So, and they felt like they really needed to keep carrying on because they were in in mo- a serious momentum with. Uh, you know, ride the lightning, and then and then uh, and then master of puppets. Um, so, um, so they hired Jason Newstead, and they he got hired as a hired gun. And they were on tour; they're playing in Europe, they're playing festivals, they're playing to you know huge crowds. And he was getting five hundred dollars a week when he first started, right? As a hired gun, five hundred dollars a week to play with Metallica, play stadiums and arenas. So, there you go. For people who think, like... <laughs> that contract, he's a better agent. Yeah. Well, he was, like, <clears throat> he was a big fan of the band, and, and he, he describes the whole audition process when he went, and he said he was the first one there, he got there before the band did, and they had, like, 30 different bass players there, they were auditioning. And he was like, at the time, he was like, I would have done that for free, you know, taking the game. Right. So, and there's, you know, there's got to be lots and lots and lots of people out there that would do do it for free, do anything, a gig like that. Um, and then, you know, of course, he became a full member for Injustice for All. And, um, you know, the, he doesn't talk about how much money he made then, but, you know, 500 bucks a week. I mean, that's like... That's that's worse than I I <laughs> hundred bucks a day Monday through Friday. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, not even. There's seven days in a week, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's what I mean. If you had like a work week, you know, it's right, it's five hundred right. bucks a week. I mean, sure, your expenses are paid and your meals are paid and your your all your accommodations are taken care of and you're flying and you're driving and you're going to all these places, right? But still, like you said, the, the the revenue the band was was pulling in at the time, you know, it just seems like a, a crazy amount of money. Yeah, but yeah, I, I wonder. You know. Yeah, it's just it seems like you would think you would still get more than that for for that level, you know? Because I I play covers, I make more than that on Bourbon Street. I hey, listen, know. I remember, yeah, an article where Madonna in her heyday paid her band. Each person in the band got paid ten thousand dollars a week. There you go. <laughs> That's, that's you know, no, that that's real money. Right? Yeah, that's more like it. Right. And and you figure how many weeks they go on tour. So if they're on tour for a year, fifty two weeks, right, then they're each getting paid about half a million bucks. Right. Yeah. I mean they're supporting her tour, you know, no different than Billy, right? I mean Billy Joel is the songwriter, you know, he is the 
the creator of all that music. You know, he is the driving force behind that band being as famous and popular as it is. I mean, you know, he had great musicians with him, but he wrote the songs. Right. You know, not not to diminish anything that the guys in the band do, because you could be a great songwriter. And if you don't have a band to back you up, you're not going to go far. Right. Yeah. You know, but he still has the the, the ideas and, and comes up with the songs. Yeah, and it's his name. You know, and that's always a funny thing, too, so playing covers that they say, oh, you know, I can I can play that cover, or I can play that drum part, or that guy's a pretty good drummer, or that guy's a pretty good piano player or singer, and it's like, yeah, but that person created the part, <laughs> right? You right. know, you're duplicating it, but they, they wrote it. Right. They, they conceived it. Yeah, and it's their name on the marquee. So... But yeah, I mean, ten thousand dollars for somebody at that level, like Madonna, for ten thousand dollars a week, you know, that's still that's really good money um, for anybody, really. But um, considering she's Madonna, I mean, that's it seems appropriate. Yeah, you eighties into nineties when she was at the peak, you know. Right. Truth or Dare tour, I think it was, you know, around that time. Right. You know, Jonathan Moffat was a drummer in the band at the time. I forget who else was in the band, but. Um, yeah, she took care of her band because she said, you know, these guys are, you know, they dedicate their life for however many years we're on tour to support me and we become a family, you know, no different than like I said, when we saw, I saw Pink, I told you how great it was and you read interviews with, with Mark Shulman and other guys in the band, and they say that it's like a family, you know, they go on tour for whatever amount of time, but, you know, um, same thing with like Foo Fighters, you know, when they're not touring, it, you, you, they still put in 40 hours a week into practicing rehearsal nursing and writing music right so it's like you know your heart of the year it's like a regular job you come off a tour sure you got some downtime and you can chill and hang with your family and stuff like that but then when you're not on tour you know they all they all get together and 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 they it's still a job you know they still have to contribute to the cause right which i guess is a little different than being a hired gun right because once the tour is over then you collect your bread and you chill until your next tour starts or you know another opportunity arises but a lot of times guys like that don't sit around too often Idol, you know, like Kenny or Dennis Chambers, when they get hired for a gig, as soon as that gig's over, they already have their their next gig lined up. You know, right. I'll be done with this at this date, and I'll be able to roll into your thing by by this point in time. Oh yeah, yeah, those guys are nonstop. <clears throat> yeah, so they're always working. I'm see, I'm hearing a delay now. It's weird. Um, yeah, um, yeah, I don't know what it is, but like I said, it continues where every eight to ten. 10 seconds you 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 cut out for five or six seconds yeah you're just dropping too it's a whole skype thing but we'll hear the recording i don't know if chunk is listening anymore because he's not commenting so uh i don't have anybody to tell me um but um i had a point i now i lost it um oh well rolling yeah. one to the next okay. yeah yeah uh, um i said this years ago and it's just it's true, and even in the situation of the Billy Joel band, of the the, the people who are hired. Um, oh wait, Chunk said he is here, and he's hearing the dropouts too. So it must be a Skype thing. Sorry, guys. Um, try to plow through it anyway. Um, but every, what I what I said years ago is every job is, every gig is temporary. You know, th and that's how I look at it. And you know, I've been playing. Actually, it's today four years ago officially that I started playing at the Swamp. Um, <clears throat> well, today, October 2nd. October 2nd, 
2014 was when I first started playing regularly at the Swamp. I had done a bunch of sub work there with that band. And then uh, I was hired full-time, well, three nights a week anyway, uh, four years ago today. So that's the longest gig I've ever had in one place. Um, wow, like a residency. Yeah, definitely not even like <laughs> it is a residency. And I would approximate, say like it was three, and it's been more than three days a week um, often during this time, but say it was just three days a week times 52, you know, 150, round that down. That's a minimum of 450 gigs I've played under one roof. And it's definitely more than that. So probably around 550, 600. Crazy. Oh, yeah, no. It's 100 and let's just call it, if you played three nights a week, that would be 160 um well, f- let's let's call it fifty weeks, right? Because you had maybe two weeks well, to go for holidays. Or yeah, I said like that, that, right? yeah, so approximately one hundred fifty a year. Yeah. Yeah. So for four years, that's six hundred gigs. So you played at least six hundred. Oh yeah, that's four years, more. right? Yeah, six hundred. Yeah, four years. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was counting three years for some reason. Four years, six hundred. Yeah. So I probably play, played seven to eight hundred times there. Wow. No kidding. I wonder if I'll make it to a thousand. I wish I actually tabulated this through the whole time. I wish I was that detailed. Like kept a count. Gig number one. Gig number two. Yeah. Wisdom hour number 40. Gig number 875. Yes. See that? I should have done that. I should have known. Next time. <laughs> Next time we get a residency gig. Who knows? Um, Damn it. Wisdom got on that. Yeah. Um but uh, so when I was interviewing the guys from Rockbox too, uh, Eric Knight, the singer, said something very interesting, and I, I, I recorded the whole interview and I put sound bites in the article, and this is one of them, and I'm gonna paraphrase it. But he he said, uh, he's talking about how cover band musicians have to be really good, especially at that level where they play, because you're you're replicating. The, some of the best bands and some of their best songs when they were at their greatest peak of, of in their career. And you have to jump from one band to another band and do the same thing. Like, like anybody could play original songs. You can just write a song and say, okay, I wrote this song. That doesn't mean it's going to be good. You, cover band musicians have to replicate songs that are good, that are tr- tried and tested and, and popular and sound like the band sound like the original band as close as you can and then make it your own um but uh you know that that's a that's a huge if you can really do it well that's a huge talent to have and it should be uh celebrated i believe that's why i'm celebrating it <laughs> one of the reasons why anyway yeah it's- not so easy to do like you would think like if you really 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 listen to the nuances of a song for any given instrument part you'll find things that you didn't know were there you know and that's the cool thing about youtube is you can find isolated tracks you know studio tracks from albums with isolated parts on it like you can find you know like uh isolated drum track for limelight 
you know, and when you listen to it isolated and where it's not produced and it's the room sound, you hear all kinds of nuances of what is actually being played that are not as prevalent in the recording. Right. I, I love doing that. I love going to YouTube and finding isolated bass tracks. And I do it, I'll do it a lot too if I have to learn a new song and, uh, and it's hard to hear the bass. I'll go, I'll search it. And I'll do it even if it's not hard to hear the bass because I like to just, I like to really learn it. Like really, what did that, what kind of bass, was that bass player using a pick? Was he playing it with his fingers? What kind of bass is he using? Is he playing the A, the open A, or is he playing the fifth fret A on the E string? You know, like, like I really, I love listening to this. You know, another thing about listening to isolated bass tracks too, I don't know if you have before, um, but it sounds like, I when I've been in the studio before, recording and you pl and they play back just the bass isolated with no drums it sounds it doesn't sound tight it sounds sloppy it sounds it doesn't sound in time even sometimes and then going back and listening to tracks and listening to to the isolated bass it's the same thing uh, for songs that are, are are really recorded well and really played well you just listen to the bass and it sounds sloppy it sounds it just doesn't I don't know. You need that other those other instruments in there to kind of shape it, I guess. But the other instruments need that bass to, to to glue it together. But yeah, I love that, man. What what are some other isolated tracks you've heard, like drum ones or or any ones? Oh, I can't think offhand, but many like I know, like I said. Um, you know, Rush is a bunch you can find, like, you know, uh, Spirit of Radio, Tom Sawyer, any famous, you know, Limelight, things like that. Uh, I found some isolated drum tracks for uh, Zeppelin had a couple up there, you know. And, like, when you go and you listen to them, like you said, it's not super produced. So maybe you're only hearing the room sound of the mics, you know. So the drums sound more ambient and not as fat or, like, the kick drum's not, not as produced. So it doesn't have the bottom and the EQ on it. You know what I mean? It's more of a raw sound. But because you're hearing more of that room sound with all the mics, you know, bleeding into one another, you hear certain nuances of a ghost note on a snare, you know what I mean? Or an extra bass drum in there or something else that's not as prevalent on the record because it, if you, you know, once you know it's there, then you can listen and you can pick it out and hear it. But it's like the end, the ending fill in Limelight, which uh, I wanted to learn to, you know, note for note. So when we play it with, with uh, Weisenheimers, you know, it's authentic, right? Because you want right. to, do it justice and yeah. you go on youtube and you, you there's you know there's there's 30 guys saying this is how you play the fill to the end of limelight and every single guy plays it wrong there's not one guy on there who plays it correctly so if you listen to the isolated track and then you transcribe it and then you learn it that way that is spot on exactly what neil is playing right so that's what i find it useful for you know or even the john bonham lick you think it's one thing and you know tishy did this a bunch of times on his john Bonham week, if you remember a couple years back. I do. And, um, you know, he's talking about all the different fills from like um, communication breakdown and how it starts with the, you know, with the left hand instead of the right hand, how he plays a triplet with the crossover. And, you know, he analyzed it, broke it down, understood it, learned it, and is able to duplicate it the way it is on the record, where a lot of guys wouldn't necessarily play it that way. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Most of the people that I see on YouTube that are trying to teach other people how to play the song are are not advanced players. Let's put it that way. 
you know right exactly and you know this is there's a there's a couple there like you said i mean i've seen a few real gems where the guy's like you know he's kind of doing this thing kind of like this and you know there's no counting there's no there's no metronome there's no explanation of how to really figure it out other than the guy saying check like listen to what i'm doing and try to copy it right it's funny watching uh, some of those yeah man. It, it is good stuff but there are some good guys guys out there that, that do you know add some value and break some stuff down but you know i find that a lot of guys on youtube are just playing their version of a cover of a song and look how good i can play it you know what i mean as far as trying to educate people on how to maybe play something there's a couple of guys out there though like i saw one with hopper teacher and, and the guy had it spot on like the beginning the whole intro you know uh-huh. he pretty much had it all down had figured it out like i said and re- respectfully you could watch that and say wow that guy you know, he actually spent the time to learn how to play it, and he's now teaching it. Um, you know, I've seen a couple like that. I saw a guy also one time uh, talking about the, the, the middle of um, uh, Fall Out Boy. Right. Uh, Sugar were going down. And yeah. He, he played the middle part, which a lot of guys play wrong, and he actually played it, you know, correctly and said, this is how you count, this is how you play it, and this is what the guy's actually doing. And you know it's it was accurate. So there are there are a bunch of hacks out there, but there's also a few, uh, like you said, more advanced players that actually are are teaching people the right thing. Yeah, you know, a good way to learn the the right way to do it too is to find a video of the actual band playing the song <laughs> live. Yeah, or yeah, or like you said, or even find a, a video of the drummer. Like you know, when I was playing a bunch of Dream Theater covers uh, with uh, a couple of different bands. If you go on and see the the, the 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 different ways that Portnoy plays the fills on certain things, the way he's sticking it and the way he's playing it, you wouldn't think that that's how it's played. But then once you watch him do it, then it kind of demystifies it a little bit. And you're like, ah, you know, that's how he's doing it. Right. And even when you have like these instructional videos, because you can see all the bootlegs that are ripped on YouTube of like, you know, Carter Buford on the table and drumming and he plays all the Dave Matthews songs, you know, and there's multiple camera angles and you can see him play. And you can understand how he's playing the song because you see him actually doing it. As opposed to when we grew up, you would just hear, listen to the record, you know, and try to emulate it best you could. Now you can actually go and see like, oh, the guy's playing it this way. And he's, you know, he's using that sticking to get from that drum to the snare or get to hear, like you said, when he's doing the the intro riff to a particular song. You know, like I remember like um, when we would do um, Raise Your Glass, Right, the beginning guitar part to raise your glass. Steve would play it one way, and it would sound exactly like the record. And then we had, when he had his hand surgery, uh, Zach Risby, who plays with Kansas now, uh, filled in for the gig. We played a bunch of gigs with him. Uh, great player, and he learned it a different way. You know what I mean? And which way is the right way? You wouldn't know unless you could actually see the session guy in Pink's band playing it, because they both sound the same, but they were. St- fingering it differently right you know it's for that interpretation so like you said yeah the be- and the best way to do it too is to if you can is to write it out and to count it right if you think that that, that fills kind of starts in this area you know it's, it's more beneficial if you if you you know if you can understand it and if you can't you know take some lessons so you can understand how to read and understand music then you can count it and say ah oh, that starts on the the of three or the the E of two, you know what I mean? Or that fill is that, you know, a a, a triplet, uh, uh, you know, Andalo one at the end, the 16th note triplet coming into that lead in, or instead of guessing where it is, you know, you know, when you can count, 
exactly where the timing is. And for a drummer, that's the most important thing, right? Because you got to bring the band in, and you can't kind of sort of know. You know, you have to own it, and you got to know exactly where those things are. Yeah, yeah, those are good ways to learn too. I used to. I was the guy when I went to concerts early in my life, and still throughout my life, anytime I've gone to concerts, I was a guy that was watching. I want to watch the bass player and see how he's doing it, instead of just getting all drunk and crazy, whatever. I would. I would just stand there and watch and try to absorb. What is he doing? I I remember just doing that recently with Aerosmith uh, in the jazz fest when I went to see uh, Aerosmith and they have the big screens, you know, and they zoom in and they don't zoom in on Tom Hamilton much, uh, the bass player, because you got Joe Perry and Steven Tyler up there. But um, the beginning of Sweet Emotion, like I know I play it right the way it sounds, but I I really wanted to see exactly the way he's fingering it um, and so I so the screen you know the beginning of sweet emotion the screen does zoom in on him so I was like oh cool I'm watching it now to see if I'm doing it right even though I know I'm doing it right I just want to still make sure I'm doing it right and what I thought really too was that I play it better than he does <laughs> so you, that you were playing it wrong yeah like Tom Tom you're not playing that right <laughs> uh but yeah, you he's know, he's so, so tired of playing it, dude. You know, he's probably just like, oh god, like you know, the, the the enthusiasm and the passion of how he played it when they recorded it. It's probably much different today than it was back then. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, they still enjoy it. They they appear to anyway. I don't know. No, but, but you know what I'm saying. Like when you you know you can remember back, like when you would learn a new song, or if you wrote an original song, like when you played it, it was like fresh and raw and the first time you recorded it like you were pumped to play it you know after you played that song like uh, like 500 times you still bring the same enthusiasm but you play it from a different mindset than you did the first time absolutely 50 (laughs) times absolutely i was talking about that with those guys too eric and robert from rockbox uh the other day too uh just uh like sometimes i'll be playing and just kind of completely zoning out and and then get to the end of the song and then just sort of waking up and realize, wait, did I just play that whole song and not, I wasn't even paying attention? Because <laughs> there's songs that I've played so many times, um, so many of them. And when it's slow in the club and, and there's a game on TV, that I have a TV right next to me, right to my left. Uh, perfect height of where, from where I'm standing. So if there's a football game on and there's nobody in club, I'm just going to be sitting there watching the football game and playing. But I will completely zone and not not think for one second about at what I'm actually playing, and it's it's funny. Or the, or then I'll be playing a song and think, what was the last song we played? I can't even remember what that last song we played was, and we just played it. <laughs> uh, be moment, Steve. Goals is the music. I, yeah, well, I do, you know, but you know, I do this so much that. That uh, if that happens, I'm being honest, man. And it happens to all of us here, down here anyway, um, because we do it so much. Um, it's just a little funny thing. Um, I can remember I had a drum teacher, Sonny Igo, uh, great big band legend, father of Tommy Igo, Broadway uh, legend and, and also big band guy. And, you know, both fantastic drummers. And I remember the 
one thing he said to me that stuck in my mind. He said, the place you don't want to be is when you find yourself in one measure of the music and the band is somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we've all been in that place too, I think. Right, but think about when you're playing with a big band, you know, charts, right? So there might be a, a four-page chart, you know, and you're reading along and you gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta stay on top of it because you got, you know, 20 guys all playing the same piece of music and they're all reading, right? And all of a sudden you get distracted or something happens and you go back and you think you're here and then you, oh, uh-oh. Uh-oh, is the band yeah. a couple measures ahead of me, behind me? You know, and you got to look for like a, a road mark somewhere on the chart where, um, you know, yeah, you can get your, your place yeah. again. I can remember as a kid, I must have been like 12 years old, and my I had to fill in for one of my father's big band gigs, and uh, my mom actually drove me to the gig and dropped me off with all the drums and stuff, and then my dad was going to pick me up after his gig because he was gigging as well. And it was like Stony Point, New York, and we went up to this place, and it was like this just like dinner dance thing and we were doing leapfrog right and in the middle of leapfrog there's like an eight bar drum solo drum break it's the same thing dude so we're playing somehow i get distracted i get lost because you know i'm, I'm new to reading like i was always just played by ear you know and then once i started taking lessons um and then i learned how to read so i'm reading the chart and i'm playing with the band driving the band and i get distracted and i get lost and i don't know where i am and i see the band leader give me this look like you know like one two three four like we're going to come to a stop and so I just stopped the song like the pop and I'm like all proud, like, oh dude, that was killer. I ended it like on spot on. He's just like, Well, guess that's I guess we're done with that version of the song, the shortest <laughs> version we ever played. It was like the drum break was oh. supposed to happen there. Like the whole rest of the song was supposed to keep going and I just stopped. <laughs> I was like, Yeah, all right, man, I'm 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 killing it. And the other guy's like, No, you're not. <laughs> oh man. That's funny, funny stuff though, you know? It was this old cranky guy. He's like, "Pay attention, Sonny. Pay attention." I'm like, "I am paying attention, man. I'm trying." Twelve years old. Back off. <laughs> Good times. Yeah, that's a hard. That's a rough feeling too when that happens. When you're the one that screwed it up. I'm like, oh. But you shake it off. Like I wasn't embarrassed by it. I wasn't like bummed out. I was kind of laughing to myself. Like, man, that guy was really pissed off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you shake it off, but it's you know, still... there's always one guy in the. And there's always one guy in the band who's just like, I don't worry about it, kid. Let's move on. You know, like it's all good. Yeah, Doing yeah. a great job. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's what I would say. Right. Just, that's what I would say to somebody else too. Ruined his night. You know, <laughs> ruining the band. <laughs> that's but then I redeemed my, myself. You know, I was able. I was able to pull it together. So by the end of the night, they, they invited me back, and I, I did fill in other gigs with them, and they, they laughed about it. You know. Good. But I didn't go. make. But the moral to that story was, I didn't make the same mistake twice. You know. Right. That's the thing about making mistakes. That's yeah. that's the good thing about making mistakes. You get to learn. And like and you remember. Yeah. And I I will do that again. Yeah. I remember them too, man, big time. If I make a mistake that that's that's glaring, I'm definitely going to remember the next time. <laughs> I am definitely going to be laser focused on that. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, yeah, cuz I don't like I don't want to be the one to screw stuff up. I want to be the foundation that is reliable and knows the song i right. you know i want to know the drum parts know the guitar parts know that know the lyrics even if i'm not singing that's just kind of me yeah because lyrics can be a good roadmap too you know like you said they, you can definitely use um the lyrics you know yes you certainly can and so there's this if you're not sure of something comes in yeah and i i find like playing a lot there's this 
and, and uh, I've known this since the beginning when I started playing that I just has have this inherent understanding of song structure and 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 feel where the song I can feel where the song is in you know I mean because there's basic song structures for the most part um, but I can just I don't know like I don't have to think about it I just know where we are in the song um, I don't know if that's uh, a, a talent or or I don't know what it is it just happens one of the things that just happens like counting to four you know i mean that's that's something that i think all good musicians just kind of know how to do without having to think about it you just feel four right yeah and that comes over time with experience too right you're not counting when you're playing right but you know where 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 things are going to end you know or if something stops on a three you know or the end of two like you just feel where it is you know right Yeah, that's something I've always known long before I was a musician. I always kind of under I knew that that I just like understood music and I guess you're born with it. Some some people are. I think I was. Cuz I uh, uh Oh yeah, no doubt. I loved it my whole life. As far as I can remember, as as early as I can remember, I was listening yeah, and to when music. Yeah, when you're born things like that it's easier to hone them in you know and and strengthen them not that it can't be learned right i mean you, you could not be born with it and still be able to acquire that talent and learn it but if you already have it uh it's that much easier to hone and then uh like you said just comes natural yes you know you've heard people say hey, man that, that, that kid's a natural you know yeah that kid he's going places yeah can't see in the frog going places hey eh? The frog, the frog, see? Frog, see? What is that? Uh, that was uh, Felix the Cat, or no? Uh, I think it was Greatest Cat in Minute Mouse. Greatest Cat in Minute Mouse, yes. Thank you. And the frog, see? I used to love that. Frog, see? Yeah, run this town, kid, see? <laughs> Little frog smoking cigar. Yeah, Going yeah. places, kid, yeah. Greatest Cat in Minute Mouse. I wonder if I could <laughs> find that online to watch it. You can because my kids were like, "What are you talking about?" And I, it took a little while, but I was able to find it. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They have both. Yeah, they have episodes. I used to love that. Watching that. Frogs, eh? I love the cat ones. Felix the cat was great, and then, and then the mouse, mighty, mighty mouse, right? Here I come to say the day. Yeah, mighty mouse. Yeah, here we come to say this. Underdog was another guy, another cartoon. Underdog, yeah. Showing our age here, buddy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but Mighty Mouse, correct. Yeah, we're going way back, but they were they're all good. How come they don't show Bugs Bunny cartoons on TV anymore? I don't see them anywhere. Is it because I don't know. I used to love Bugs Bunny. Is it because they're dated and they were racist and and uh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Like what what isn't racist now, you know? Oh, they were blatantly racist though. Like 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 back that's what I'm saying. You watch some of these shows like uh I think we talked about this in one of the, the episodes. It might have been episode uh, 27, around like 17 minutes in. And we were talking about um, In Living Color. The, 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 and now there's... The show, yeah. The TV show. Yeah. And now, there, you know, the Wayne's Brothers. And now there, there's reruns of that. And when you watch it, it is so 
it would never fly today. Like Homie the Clown, you know, he's talking about getting locked up and how the man is keeping him down. And, you know, you, you, you little, you know, uh, uh, spoiled white kids from Silver Spoon neighborhoods. And like, he's just, you know, the things he says, it's like, it's funny. You laugh, but you think like, if that's a TV show now, they wouldn't be able to get away with that. What does the world come to? You know, it used to be so much fun. Now everyone's like all uh, uptight. Yeah. But we're not a political show here. That's why we like to focus on music. <laughs> yes. Indeed, we do. Ah, uh, yes. I mean, we could go... Wait, yeah, oh, forget that. Music is no, the I answer. I, I definitely don't. Yeah, but even like even musically, you know, like just think about the lyrics and, and censorship and things of that nature. But music is the, the one thing that has stayed fairly free as far as, you know, your creative... Um, you know, the, the the creative element and not really censoring or policing people's creativity through music, right? You can still pick up an instrument and play whatever you want. Yes. And that's the beauty of it. Yes, and thank God for that. Um, right, because that drum, guitar, that bass, you know, that, that vocal voice, you know, the notes that you're playing and singing are not racist. They're not, they don't have agendas, you know what I mean? They they can't be construed as anything right we are the world you know it was cool yeah i I had the the opportunity um i participated in this uh event for for, uh schools that can it was a design challenge with some seventh grade kids uh, um in uh to come up with a solution for they want they were, the challenge for the day was to redesign uh, a park. So it was cool. You working with a bunch of twelve year old, thirteen year old boys and girls, and they have their ideas, and you know they're 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 talking about all kinds of cool stuff, and they want to do this and they want to do that, and you know uh, got to talk into this this one uh, kid about music, and he was saying how he's you know he's a singer and he enjoys. Uh, you know, as a hobby, singing, but he wants to be an engineer when he grows up. And, you know, we're talking about pursuing music and, you know, telling him I'm a drummer. And uh, long story short, we got into this conversation about uh, how to t- tell a story through your instrument. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it be a guitar, mm-hmm. a bass, a drum set, you know, like a, a solo piece of music shouldn't just be all about chops and how flamboyant you can be, right? But tell a s- story. Right. And try to accomplish that through what it is that you're doing. Yes. Good advice. For all you players out there, say something and yeah, say something. Tell meaningful. story, dynamics, yeah, you know, move, move people. Yeah, man. It's all about feeling. That's what this is about. It's not about what you're hearing. It's about what you're feeling. And we feel good. Episode number 40, you a little choppy, but we're still choppy, here. but nonetheless, full wisdom. As always. HerbandCentral.com. Go sign up for your free profile now. We are working on the site. We're making it better and better and better every day, and more people are coming on board. There's also the Facebook page and the group, too. Just what he said. Herband Central. We'll see you next time.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 